0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. It's the 314 on the 917. It's Scoop Podcast episode 314. On the 17th of September, it is Thursday night. It looks like we're on a crash course. Twins and Yankees, whether it's in the Bronx or at Target Field, I'm not quite sure it's that big of a deal, although the Twins have played remarkably well at Target Field. The Twins, after today's loss against the White Sox, are now three games back in the division. If the Twins had won today, that game was there for the taking. Heck, a lot of us thought Dallas Keuchel, Might start for the White Sox. They throw out Lopez. Heck, just pregame, right, when Lopez was announced as the starter. A lot of us thought this game with Maeda on the mound is there for the taking. It was there for the taking as the game unfolded. But the Twins lose, but they blew a chance. Not only is it one loss, but they blew a chance to win the season series against the White Sox. So the White Sox, with a tougher remaining schedule, albeit tougher remaining schedule, are clearly in the driver's seat to win the Central, meaning the best the Twins can do is be the 4-seed in the American League. It looks like the Yankees are positioning themselves as they get healthier and healthier to be the 5-seed or even the 4-seed. On the Twins' roster shuffling today, I can tell you the Zach Littell camp is incredibly surprised. On two fronts, A, instead of optioning him, the Twins outrighted him off the 40-man, so the Twins make that move. He cleared waivers. Like, I think the Latell camp thought, you know what? Somebody was going to claim him, that there's enough talent in that arm. Heck, I'm a believer in Zach Latell. But to the Twins' benefit, maybe they knew something. He clears. So he is back in St. Paul at the alternate site, but the Twins now have an open 40-man spot. I ran that open 40-man spot by a Twins official. I said, hey, is it as simple as... You wanted a spot for Homer Bailey. He is ready to go. You need a 40-man spot for Homer Bailey. This individual, this Twins front office official, texted back and said, this gives us position flexibility. It's not necessarily about Bailey because with Bailey, what they could do is move Brent Rooker to the 45-day injured list. He would come off the 40-man. You could create a Bailey 40-man spot that way. So is this move creating another 40-man spot is this for Royce Lewis? Is this for Alex Kirilov? Is this for Trevor Larnick? Is it for an arm? Jordan? Is it Belozovich I forget how you pronounce his last name. I think it's Belosevich. Is it for him? I mean, it remains to be seen, but the Twins are open-minded. If you recall, Derek Falvey was on this podcast recently and did not dismiss the possibility of one of these prospects coming up at some point before the season is over. All right, let me continue to empty out my figurative notebook before we get to some interviews. Pat Elfline hurt his thumb in practice today. He is out a minimum of three weeks at this moment as I'm recording here at five o'clock on Thursday, late afternoon, the Vikings are still determining, you know, some sort of timetable. They like Drew Samia. Sumia started week 17 against Chicago at this point. I would say he is the front runner to start Sunday against the colts but they'll sift through it could it be ezra cleveland could they elevate Avian collins they have some options but certainly samia looks like the front runner to start against the colts on dalvin cook he can claim victory his agent can claim victory with over 28 million dollars in guaranteed money, the Vikings can claim victory. The cap number for next year is significantly lower than if they had put the franchise tag on him. So when thinking about the salary cap presumably next year going down, how far down will it go remains to be seen, but it likely will go down. The Vikings save money next year on Cook. It's one of these classic Vikings contracts. It's a 5-year deal, but really it's 3 years, then we'll see, right? Like they can get out of it after 3 relatively easily. This is something the Vikings have done for a while. The Vikings went up last second. Dalvin's agent flew to town last week. The Vikings finally upped their offer for the longest time. It wasn't anywhere close to what they offered, but they upped it in the end. They wanted to get it done. It sends the right message in the locker room, plus Dalvin has done everything right, plus he is the face of that offense. That offense goes oftentimes as dalvin goes it is a run first offense this isn't the chiefs this isn't another offense the way the vikings go they need a running back to be special they have that special running back a top three top four running back in the entire nfl so they are paying him you can argue that you don't pay running backs big money in general but the way the vikings are set up sending the right message to the rest of the locker room i would say it was a shrewd move but both sides can certainly claim victory. On Rashad Bateman, I keep being asked, okay, so the Big Ten is coming back. As I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, there was certainly support on campus from enough people to return as soon as possible, so those people get their wish. The Gophers will play starting in October, October 23rd or 24th that weekend. There likely will be a game that Friday night that most teams will open on that Saturday, October 24th. Should be a fun weekend, even though the Vikings on a buy that week but I keep being asked is Rashad Bateman coming back can he come back no he he is going pro that ship has sailed he is going pro he has asthma too by the way so I mean he's still at risk like I get it they're being tested daily you know those guys will be protected in so many ways but he signed with an agent he's with Blake Barrett's the agent that represents Adam Thielen, Tyler Johnson, Blake Cashman, CJ Hamm, Ifedi Denebo many NFL players. So he signed with an agent. Now he could fight if he really wanted to, but it would be a lengthy process. He is well on his way to training for the draft combine. We don't even know if a combine will take place in February. The traditional combine that we know, we don't even know if that will take place in Indianapolis in February, but he is training, figuring that some sort of combine will take place, even if it's virtual, even if it's sending videos into teams, he is training hard for that, So the ship has sailed. Rashad Bateman, no more, please. Uncle Mercy, no more questions. Rashad Bateman is not coming back to the U. PJ Fleck joked on Big Ten Network the other day that he reached out to Rashad. He'll try to re-recruit Rashad. It's just not happening. Rashad Bateman is going pro. He has played his last down as a gopher. On the wild, more moves are coming. I was texting with a player on background. I said, hey, does Bill, Bill Guerin, does Bill like any of you guys? He said, I don't know. Like, he's going to revisit Zach Parise to the Islanders. Parise willing to waive the no trade. Matt Dumba, it seems like it's when, not if. Buy out Devin Dubnik. Victor Rask likely not bought up. But more moves are coming. It's been a busy week with the Brodeen extension, with the Bukestead trade. And with the trade of Eric Stahl that caught him completely off guard. I am told it shocked him. He thought when he took a team-friendly deal here under Paul Fenton, albeit under Paul Fenton, but took a sweetheart deal here to re-sign, that he thought he would finish his career here. Never in a million years did him, did his agent think that the Buffalo Sabres would have interest in him. So I know... When he was told the other day of the trade that it completely caught him off guard, but he'll embrace it. He's not retiring. He'll play for Buffalo. In fact, he'll meet with the Buffalo media on Friday morning. Good guy. I mean, just, you know, I've said this before, you know, doing what I do, you know, I mean, my passion, my personal passion is baseball and basketball, you know, then football. But hockey guys are the best guys to deal with. I can just tell you being in that wild locker room a number of times over the years, Eric Stahl is professional as it gets. A really good dude. So I wish him nothing but the best in Buffalo. On the Wolves, David Vanterpool, associate head coach, had a Zoom interview today with the Indiana Pacers. He's also in the mix in Chicago. New Orleans hasn't reached out to candidates yet, but there's a belief he'll be in the mix in New Orleans. Same with Oklahoma City. No Philadelphia buzz, no Houston buzz Quite yet. I think it's when not if. I think David Vanterpool will be a head coach. I just don't know if it happens this offseason, but David Vanterpool will get a chance eventually. On Omari Spellman, so two players are not at the Wolves voluntary minicamp. It ramps up next week with scrimmages. The Wolves hope to maybe stream some of those scrimmages, but two players under contract. Well, actually, technically, Wancho Hernan Gomez is a restricted free agent. I guess he really isn't under contract, but Omari Spellman is under contract. On Hernan Gomez, he committed to filming a movie, no joke, filming a movie before he knew of these dates. So he was in town most of the summer. He spent time working out of Mayo Clinic Square a bunch. Then he worked in town with local trainer Reed Osi, plus with Jake Lehman. Jake Lehman works with Reed Osi. So Hernan Gomez was in town until like three or four weeks ago for most of like March, April, May, June, July, like Hernan Gomez spent a ton of time here. The Wolves want him back. He just committed to filming this movie, so he is not taking part in the mini camp. On Omari Spellman, he was just a throw-in in the Wiggins-Russell trade going back to February, former first-round pick. He just might need a chance. I know there's been some weight issues, but maybe he just needs to find the right coach, the right organization, but it won't be here. He was invited. He's under contract. So he was invited to come to town. He decided he'll work out on his own. There's a mutual understanding, both sides, when the moratorium is lifted, when transactions can once again take place, that the Wolves will work along with his agency to find him a new home. So Omari Spellman will be elsewhere. So that's why Omari Spellman, is not at the Wolves' voluntary minicamp. Daniel Oturu, former Gopher, Cretan Darum Hall, the pride of Woodbury. He had a draft interview yesterday with the San Antonio Spurs. You think about being a big man, having a chance to work under Greg Popovich, under Tim Duncan, that would be one heck of a landing spot for the former Gopher. Speaking of the Gophers, I caught up with Richard Patino earlier today. November 25th is now... Like a definitive start date, not that the Gophers will open up on November 25th, but that's when teams can can start rocking and rolling. They have some workout times September, October, so it'll be a slow build, you know, just right before Thanksgiving. You know, the late November start, but at least we're having some semblance of a college basketball season. Like we have some movement. It looks like a college basketball season of some form will take place so with that news from earlier this week i had a chance to catch up with richard patino via zoom here's my chat from earlier today with richard patino richard november 25th tell me what it means like is that the start of practice can you start scheduling games beginning november 25th just tell me what that date means
1: yeah i mean basically what it means is from a scheduling standpoint for games um you know, they've increased the hours for next week that you could spend on the court with the guys. Um, you know, but even still, I mean, you, you don't want to push those hours too much too soon. Uh, because realistically, if, if we're going to start at the end of November, let's say, well, that's over two straight w- uh, months of practice. Um, you know, so I'm going to be still cautious because they haven't really worked out a lot with us. So you don't want to just dive right in the pool. You want to slowly start. Um, you know. So I think what it does is it gives us a little bit of a model of where we can go from a scheduling standpoint, because the schedule that we put together is not going to be the schedule that we're going to play.
0: OK, so where are things at in terms of, of your schedule?
1: Honestly, we, we still don't know. Um, you know, We're still trying to figure it all out. I mean, even look at football right now. Football is a couple weeks away. They don't know who they're playing. Um, so kind of take it day by day you know communicate um, with the Big Ten as much as we possibly can trying to figure out you know non-conference is really the question Um, we had Mohegan Sun set up you know we're going to play some really good opponents we had Mississippi State set up we had St. Louis set up Uh, how how does it all work I still don't know Um, you know I think we need to figure out the conference portion for how many conference games are we going to play you know like I tell our team I know we've got no fans, most likely, and this all the COVID stuff is unique, but for you guys, you're going to play a ridiculously tough schedule. Uh, you, you may be looking at all high major games, you know, that, that's going to keep a head coach up at night, but for the fans and the players, they're going to love that. Uh, so no answers yet. I mean, it's frustrating, but it's kind of consistent with everything we're all dealing with in life right now um i i keep telling our guys over and over again though i i hate what they're going through you know the masks and social distancing you can't have a normal uh college experience with it's virtual classes but the one thing i think we can get as close to normal as possible is basketball if we do our part with all the other stuff
0: well on that i mean you're right i mean guys are all on campus but yeah i mean it's virtual classes so i mean that's weird but at least when they're over there with you being able to work out with the coaches, I mean, at least some sense of normalcy, things going well. So yeah,
1: far. no, it, that's been the best part of it all. Um, I'd say that and maybe golf are the two things that like, I finally feel like are somewhat normal uh, and it's getting cold now. So we're going to put the clubs away, but it um, it's been uh, really fun getting on the court with them. I mean, we still have to wear masks, which, you know, we're certainly going to do uh, that's a little, Different for a coach, you know, for an hour or two, you're you're constantly talking into it, and it's a little bit of a challenge. But for our guys, they're not. Um, but I tell you what, it's it's been fun to get back on the court and just remember what being a basketball coach feels like. Not an epidemiologist, not uh, anything else. Being, that's what I am. I'm a basketball coach, and uh, it's been fun to get back.
0: Have you had any dialogue with other Big Ten coaches? Are you guys constantly on Zoom meetings? I mean, just what's, yeah. what's that chatter been like?
1: Yeah, we we, we do one once a week. Uh, we did one today. And again, it's, it's, it's like I, I don't, I'm not blaming anybody, but I just don't think we have a lot of answers right now. I think yesterday's decision with football was a step in the right direction. I think that uh, the testing part is very, very important so that there's, whether it's daily testing, rapid testing, you know, for, from a coach standpoint, the hardest thing now is, okay, if we have a season and somebody gets it, they're out three weeks. You know that that's eight nine games, um, so how do we how do we figure out a season where we can play and avoid that? A because we don't want them to get sick, right? You know, I mean that's the most important thing for any of us. We don't want it to run through our program, but then B, you know, how do we how do we figure out a schedule? Maybe it's when everybody's gone, right? When all the students are gone, we kind of created a pseudo bubble when the students weren't here over the summer, and it went really well. Now I didn't have my full team here, but um you know how, how do we figure it out can, can we can we take advantage of when the students are not on campus and i think that's been the the main kind of point for all the head coaches is is, is what what can we do to do it safely do it you know where there's competitive equity right i mean you know that, that's also important where we can find a way to get a big 10 championship champion
0: i mean i suppose end of november december i mean like to me contact tracing is big deal. i just saw another college football game got postponed a lot of it is contact tracing not necessarily athletes testing positive but they were in the vicinity of somebody that did and and that creates all these hiccups like that to me would be as much hurdle
1: as anything yeah i mean i think that's the biggest hurdle again just talking sports not trying to sound insensitive about the virus itself but if we're trying to proceed with games you just can't have guys missing for three weeks um You know, if you're trying to, that's where it's just going to get really crazy. Who knows with baseball? I mean, baseball's kind of, Major League Baseball's leveled off a little bit. Seems like they're on the right path. Um, You know, so contact tracing is definitely important. I think with um, the increase in testing, maybe that changes that. You know, I I, I don't know. Uh, I know testing is very, very important as well to know who has it, who doesn't have it, and how you can proceed. All guys
0: want to play, though? like. Is there any apprehension, like, okay, you can't go to class, you can't really be around anybody, but, hey, and it's not like they're getting paid, right? But, hey, you want me to play basketball, but for the most part, I mean, these guys, there's a big-time buy-in factor?
1: I think, they, I think they're very, very eager to play. Uh, you know, n- nobody has told me they don't want to play. I think it's very, very important for the leadership at the top to, to make sure that our players and our staff and everybody knows what's going on. You know, that transparency is very, very important. Uh, I think I think Dan Gavitt has done a phenomenal job of laying out his plan to kind of give, you know, these guys kind of, okay, I see what we're trying to do. If there's, you know, if you're not communicating with the student athletes and you're not communicating and they're constantly coming to us and we're saying we don't know, we don't know, we, that's not good for anybody. Um, they love basketball and they know playing basketball, not only do they love it, it benefits them. They all want to play professionally, uh, whether or not it's in the NBA, whether or not it's overseas. And the opportunity to improve that is to play games. They, they know that. Um, and plus, they just love it. You know, I mean, they have been chomping at the bit. So uh, nobody has, has voiced a concern to be yet. Um, it's still early. We're going to make sure they understand that when they come into our facility, we want to keep them safe. Uh, you know, we constantly are talking about that we're in this together. You know, their success, is a reflection of our success. We all, Everybody is connected and there's no better lesson to that than what we're going through right now.
0: Hit you with two more. So it was what, Jamal, Johnson, Mutaf, anybody else that, that came in over the last few weeks that wasn't here maybe July, early August?
1: Um, no, that, that that's really it. You know, I mean, Marcus got back. Um, he'll get going today. Um, yeah, Marcus too, you know, so I guess those four, right? So Marcus, Brandon. And the other
0: two, Mutaf and uh, Jamal, I mean, what you've seen so far may be limited, but what you've seen so far, I mean, those guys look okay?
1: Yeah, really, really impressed. Um, I feel like if we have, if we get the waiver from Booth, um, which we anticipate, I feel like we got a really talented team. And, it, you know, it's, it's uh, obviously, you got your team and you got the virus that you, if you can get everybody on the court. I think it's really, really talented. I mean, I think Jamal Mashburn Jr. I think he's almost underlooked because of the Patino Mashburn connection. It's kind of like he was a little bit under recruited even because I think people thought he'd come to us. Um, I think he's terrific. I mean, he is absolutely competitive. He is confident. Um, I feel like we got one of the most under underrated guards in the country. I really do. Um, David Mutoff is, just has a pure stroke. You know, we really need to improve that three-point shooting. He's very, very skilled, uh, loves the game, um, got good size. You know, so I think we improved that perimeter shooting big time. And Brandon Johnson's been, you know, I'm not saying he's this, but he's a Jordan Murphy type. He's physical, uh, he's got long arms, he's tough. Uh, you know, I, I think with all the guys that we've brought in, I, I don't see how they all don't contribute in a big way right away. And then obviously, since we last spoke, I mean, getting Liam that waiver, um, who's the right thing to do from the NCAA standpoint, they did the right thing by Liam. But I think Liam is going to be one of the better bigs in our conference, if not the country. That's how talented he is. And that's how impressed I've been.
0: I mean, some of the Missouri Valley coaches on background were, were saying, I mean, this kid's got an NBA future.
1: You know, from what I've seen so far, which is controlled small group individual instruction, I've been extremely impressed. Now, who knows what happens when you get five on five, and you do, but from the eye test, I don't see why there isn't a reason why he can't play in the NBA. Um, and now that's, that's me just from not fully seeing everything, but he does it all. Um, he's got size, he's got skill, um, he's got great footwork. It'll be really, really fun to see him in this league versus all those other great bigs.
0: Then the last one, you mentioned Booth Gotch and the waiver. I mean, expound on that. I mean, you still need to go through the the paperwork process even?
1: Yeah, we're trying to wrap all that up soon. Um, you know, and and we got to get information on his end before we submit everything. I mean, the key with these waivers is you want to kind of you want to put your best foot forward right away. So they don't have to constantly be coming back and forth and more information. And then th- that takes time. Um, so we're hopeful, um, you know, hopefully by next week we get it submitted, um, and we get everything buttoned up. We feel really, really good about it. I mean, it's, uh, again, there's certain ones that we've done that make a lot of sense and Liam's made sense. This one, you know, with booth makes sense. And, uh, you know, so we'll see, I mean, you never know until it's, uh, you know, kind of put it in their hands, and you trust that they make the right decision. But we feel really, we feel really good about it. On your birthday weekend, just watch a lot of the U.S. Open. That's it. You know, it's. Uh, I actually have um, my my father is a member of that course. My two brothers are members of that course. My father bought a house on that course. It's right near Iona. Um, in a normal time, I'd be I'd be there Saturday and Sunday, sitting with a beer. But uh, I'm staying here. Uh, I'll be watching. I played that course a bunch. Uh, I can't believe I ever go back. It's that hard. Um, but it's really cool to see. I mean, my family's had a um, great history there. My uncle, who we lost in 9-11, was like a fixture over there. Um, so it's, it's fun to see. I, I, I can't stand that there's no crowds because New York golf crowds are quite entertaining. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching a lot of that and, uh, you know, having a lot of fun watching it.
0: Were you there in, was it 06 with Mickelson?
1: No, I was not there. I was not there. I think uh, I remember it, though. And I've been watching all those highlights. I hate it for him. Uh, He's I think he's got like six second place finishes in the US Open and uh, New York really gravitated towards him. Um, But I know he's getting older now, uh, but it'd be cool to see him make a run at. Who's your pick to win? I mean, you got to go Dustin Johnson just because of the level that he's playing at. Um, But I think I think obviously the rough and the greens are so insane um, that you just never, ever, ever know. Um, but Dustin Johnson's playing at a level right now that's unbelievable. I like the other kid, um, Marikawa. He's really, really good as well. I'd probably go with those two. Um, and again, you know, who knows? Tigers playing pretty well right now. So hopefully he can continue to make a run at it. All
0: right. You take those three, you give me the field. And, and whenever, you know, normalcy returns, uh, beers, beers at stake.
1: Well, always going with the field in golf is pretty smart. Um, so yeah, you just never know. Yeah. You know, yeah, I love what I love about the US Open is you see great golfers playing like crap, and that's what I deal with all the time when I play golf. So it's nice to see them deal with it.
0: Richard Petino, always a fun conversation. Love picking Richard's brain. Hey, he's just he's one of those guys. Like, you know what? I'm being genuine when I say it. Like, he's one of those guys you'd love to just sit down and have a beer with. I get it. The Big Ten record is not what any of us want it to be. You know what? You look at those before him, it's been a struggle to win here for a long time. He has swung and missed on a number of recruits that I think maybe some other coaches Would have secured, but he's landed some other guys that have helped him win some games. This will be a telltale year. Not that the university will be in a position to pay him any sort of buyout after the year if it goes horribly wrong. But Booth Gotch is going to get the waiver. They'll submit the paperwork next week. So they'll have a starting five of Marcus Carr, Gabe Kausher, Booth Gotch, Brandon Johnson, and Liam Robbins with Jamal Mashburn Jr. off the bench. Maybe Eric Curry can give them something. You've got Trey Williams. You've got Isaiah Enan. Like, they have some depth. They have some guys. But that starting five is pretty good. The issue they have is the Big Ten is absolutely loaded. Like, the Big Ten has so much talent, it will be hard to finish upper half of the conference. But I do like, in many ways that starting five. All right, let's now transition to football. I caught up with Gophers legend, my buddy Pete Najarian. Earlier this week, when the news became official, that Big Ten football is back for the fall. Here is my conversation with Pete Najarian. Pete, let me just put the quarter in the machine and let you go. Your thoughts on the Big Ten returning.
2: Well, I'm really, really excited. I'm glad that they, uh, they at least took a second look at it because I, I, I was frustrated, as you know, uh, early on in August when they made the decision. I didn't understand why the decision was made in August, especially early August. I didn't understand why we wouldn't push this out and buy some time, just like in the stock market. We've been buying time and look at how the market's doing. And, and it's, it's very similar. Buy some time, buy a month or so. Here we are now. We're getting into the middle of September. Things look a little different. Testing has gotten a lot better. Uh, Daily testing is there. And so things have changed. And because of that, they changed a lot more rapidly than anybody ever would have thought back in early August. And so I'm glad that they took a second look at this. And And I have to take my hat off to the University of Nebraska as well as Ohio State University. And the reason I say that is, this is a new president at Ohio State University. And Dr. Johnson, step she stepped up to the plate and and she just laid out why they should be able to at least have the opportunity and for that I totally commend her I think it's um, you know it doesn't mean we're without risk I think there is risk we all know that we've already watched as certain games have had to either be canceled or whatever um, but at least there's the opportunity for those games and I think that's what everybody wanted was the opportunity and so, as we buy a little more time as they get prepared for the season to start in late october and then we get an eight game season and then i'm hearing they're white and there might be a one game bonus where the ones play against the ones and the twos play against the two how great is that i mean that would be a lot of fun i think and so um you know i'm excited for it and i and i think that it's uh, it's going to be something that the, the players the coaches the parents they've all been begging for this and um you know the opportunity is there and if people think it's too risky they can always step to the side.
0: You're a money guy. How much of this is money based? I mean, heck, I mean, volleyball is near and dear to your heart. Today is all about football. Like there are campuses that, that everything is being done virtually, right? That, that students aren't physically going to classes, right? But now we have football back. So what do you say to those people that say, you know, my son or daughter can't attend class in person, yet football is returning to his or her campus?
2: Well, and let's let's remember, I'm not saying they're in a bubble for football um, or for any of the sports, but they but they are doing everything that they can to make sure that it's as safe a process as possible. And let's be honest, that for the most part, these guys are, are together, or gals, you know, as, as sports start to come back, I think. And, and I think the other sports, if it's safe enough, if they've got enough testing, all sports that, that are eligible to come back, hopefully they do come back. But... Is, it, is there money related? Oh, absolutely. We, nobody can, and if somebody says no, it's ridiculous because we know what the dollars really are. But that being said, uh, that money doesn't necessarily always flow to the players, the coaches, you know, all of that necessarily. So it's something where um, if for the universities, and if still, I know that you know we know the original vote and, and that, that had to come out when Nebraska players, give a lot of credit to them, went after him and said was there a vote how did the vote go what was the numbers and everything else um but yeah you know there's dollars involved there's no doubt about it but i think from a player's perspective if i was a player playing now at the university of minnesota going into my second or third year or something like that uh been around for a little while i i probably wouldn't have any apprehension whatsoever i think i would be excited and i've worked you know you and i talk about this a lot and you know this better than anybody These players don't just work out five days a week or three days a week or so whatever it is. It's 365 days a year that these guys commit to their sport. And that's true of all these sports every one of them. They are not a part time job for these kids. This is a full time job that they're doing while they're going to school, which is an amazing thing. And so I'm excited for them that they get the opportunity. They're not going to reap the rewards of the money, but they're certainly going to be excited to be able to use all that hard work that the blood, sweat, and tears that they put out there January, February, and even during the pandemic, there's been a lot of working out going on. Uh, I think they're excited to get out there and be on the football and and play football games. I think they're excited about that.
0: This is our new reality, is it not, Pete, where there's going to be risk, right? I mean, realistically speaking, there's not going to be a vaccine for a while. I mean- Seriously, being an optimist, maybe a year from now, maybe 18 months from now, but like, this is our new reality. So there's always going to be risk. It's just, you know, like it's how we manage that risk. Like me personally, you know, we were talking off camera. I've got a fourth grader and a a first grader. My wife and I made the decision that they are now back in school. Thankfully, our school district offers that opportunity, a hybrid situation where there's some in the school building, some not in the school building, My older son plays baseball right now my younger son plays soccer like he's around kids but it's outside i mean in school they're wearing the masks i mean safety protocols are in place but like this is our new reality so like if you're the big 10 you've got the daily testing you've got these kids in your environment i mean what would these kids be doing if if they're not over at the facility like it just to me just it makes logical sense while at the same time we need to realize that there's going to be risk and and we need to still manage that risk
2: and i think you're right you talk about daily testing and 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 that's one of it the other is accountability and if there's anybody who's disciplined in this world it's an athlete male female doesn't matter the sport or anything they are disciplined they are committed and they have responsibility more so now than they've ever had so with that responsibility i think we've got uh, a lot of young men young young ladies uh that are going to do the right thing. And the right thing is do everything and you can in your power not to put yourself into jeopardy, to put yourself into a position where you could potentially get COVID. And so I think that you're gonna see that, that everybody's gonna try their best. It doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. And like you said, there's daily testing. And, 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 and then there's a process that people will have to go through if they test positive and everything else and quarantining them from, from the, the rest of the group. And, I think that they will do a, a magnificent job. I realize there are risks. There are going to be risks always. And I, I've i read a lot about these heart risks and everything else that goes into this. And that's why players, if they choose that the risk is too much for them in any way, shape, or form, nobody's going to point a finger and call them a coward. I guarantee you that. I think people would fully understand. I would understand if my quarterback said, I just can't do it, Pete, I'd say, I get it. I totally get it. We're, we're going to play, though, but, but I get it. And I think all the all the participants are going to feel the same way if somebody feels that they're too nervous about it they don't want to do it they want to opt out I think that nobody's going to shame them for that
0: you mentioned Ohio State and Nebraska this might be hard for for a gopher but like do we need to give Iowa some credit in this in this process too and even Jim Harbaugh right like wasn't Harbaugh he was marching down the streets of Ann Arbor a week or two ago trying to be as vocal as possible so to me, yeah, it's Ohio State, it's Nebraska, but I think it's Iowa a little bit, and it's also Jim Harbaugh.
2: Yeah, and I have a hard time doing anything for Michigan. Iowa, I have a little bit more respect for. I can't stand it, it's my most hated school. But, and Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback at Michigan when I played against them. And and he's a wonderful guy, actually, and a heck of a coach. I mean, every, all you got to do is look at where he was in San Diego to Stanford. And the guy's just an amazing guy. He has done things the right way. He just can't beat Ohio State, <laughs> which makes me feel a little bit better. But uh, but the reality is that I think he, uh, I love the fact that he had the passion to say, you know what, we're ready. As a matter of fact, I think one of his lines was, we're ready, give us two weeks and we could play games. They're giving them a lot more than that. They're giving them approximately a month. But uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going into this. So I understand why they've had to push it out. I think they maybe could have done it even a week or so earlier. But I think the reality is schools like Wisconsin, where they had issues, they had outbreaks, um, they weren't able to practice they weren't able to do a lot of the things that that everybody else was able to do so i get it so i think it's very fair the way they've done this they've given everybody the opportunity and even some of my most bitter rivals yeah i give them all the credit in the world iowa give them the credit for their original vote nebraska ohio state uh a, a lot of credit to all of them and you know quite honestly i, I give a lot of credit to the university of minnesota because the guys just put their head down and they've worked they have done everything that's been asked of them. And I have friends over there and uh, the players, the commitment has been there and they will be ready. I think that they will be ready. doesn't mean there's not gonna be mistakes. We watched the Vikings not look so great in, in week one. So there's gonna be mistakes, but I think that uh, I, I think these guys are ready to play football.
0: On mistakes, what do you think Commissioner Kevin Warren learned over the last few weeks?
2: hopefully he, re- he learned a little something about the humility of of the job and how difficult this is and it's and it and his word and his decisions are absolutely going to be something that's gonna you know go through for a very long period of time i give him a lot of credit for the fact that these they they came back together they've they've gone through a different process this time and they're a little bit more transparent because if there was a big frustration i had with both kevin warren and all everybody else that was there, the presidents it turns out, not the athletic directors and coaches, but the vote and everything else. Why not just tell everybody, here's the what we did. Why not be transparent? I, for the life of me, I don't get it. In a society that everything wants to be on the table in front of us, these guys were in complete secrecy about it and just basically said, well, we're gonna postpone the season and I'll not talk to the press for the next week or two. You can't do that. <laughs> And hopefully uh, they've learned from that mistake, because that was a huge mistake in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least the Pac-12 was was pretty darn transparent. You don't have to agree with what they decided, but, but they laid everything out there. I thought the Big Ten, like you, Pete, I thought they failed miserably going back to the, to the original announcement. Like, I think about, do you know Regent Michael Hsu?
2: Yes, well, very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's an outspoken guy, but I was talking to him the other day. He brought that resolution to the table at the at the regularly scheduled board of regents meeting on friday this this let's play fall sports resolution and it was more about just creating dialogue like he's a regent and he had no idea where these presidents stood like he was asking all these questions it's one thing for me you know goofball media guy to be asking questions he's a regent pete he had no idea
2: yeah yeah that's not reasonable It's not reasonable that they they weren't transparent within and they weren't transparent outside of those that are in on the inner circle of the Big Ten. And and that's, that's not right. It's you know what this that 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 was a huge frustration for me. I hopefully that's a lesson learned that that better not ever happen again, because that was a that was a huge slip early on. And that that was in Kevin Warren's pocket for the first time and then I still look at this region, uh, or the president of Ohio State, though. <laughs> she took that job over. Was it June? I want to say uh, early, late spring, early summer. Uh, and to, to get up there in front of everybody else and, and be one of those that's pushing back, uh, my hat's off to her. That, that's, uh, that's amazing.
0: I'll hit you with two more. So you mentioned the, the scheduling quirk, which is it's, it's happening. Barry Alvarez was on Big Ten Network this morning, he's on the scheduling committee it's happening so it's eight games yeah. starting either there may be a game on that friday october 23rd otherwise a full slate of games on saturday october 24th they'll play for eight weeks then that ninth week that ninth game will be you know one versus one west versus east two versus
2: two i love like that. that yeah like how cool is that i think it's so great i think they did a great job of, of that I, you know they probably have been thinking about if we come back, how are we going to do it? What would be the best way to do it? And I, I think this makes so much sense because it gives you uh, the opportunity with the eight games that you've you've got a real schedule in front of you, and and, and obviously you know having the championship, I, I love the fact that the twos are going to go against the twos. I think that's awesome. I, I I really think that that whole part of the process they have not stumbled on. That that's been great, and I don't know who exactly gets the credit for that because. Are they transparent enough to tell us? Is that for Al- was that Alvarez is doing or who? I, I don't know. Maybe they'll tell us this time.
0: <laughs> What's your level, Pete, of confidence that that we get through this thing? Like, I don't know if you read the entire press release, but like if a player tests positive, yeah. he's out for 21 days. Yeah. Like that to me, like you could be asymptomatic. What if you produce multiple negative results six, eight, ten days later, but you still need to sit out. For twenty-one days. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, things are shut down right now in Madison. There's been yeah. hiccups in East Lansing. There's been hiccups at Rutgers, right? There's been some hiccups in State College. Like what's what's your confidence level that that we can actually get through this thing?
2: You know, I, I'm very confident about it, but at the same time, I'm I not foolish enough to say I think it's gonna go smooth and it's gonna be the easiest thing in the world. I think that the reality is there are gonna be schools that are gonna get hit. There's no doubt in my mind, somebody Hopefully not too many, but there will be schools and we've already seen it where uh, it, with the early starters of, of football where they, they're going to get hit. They're going to lose some players, unfortunately, and that time frame is tough to, you, to your point. I mean, that's three weeks. That's <laughs> half the season. So that that could be very difficult. But at the same time, we're trying to keep it safe. And if, that's, if, if that is the number one goal, and if that's number one goal, at least we've been transparent right out of the gate. We're saying this is how this is going to go. You test positive, you're out for this amount of time. Yes, it's gonna impact the team, but you know what? The team's gonna to have to gather together and figure it out. And maybe it's five, six, ten players. You just never know. I mean, it's. It, we have seen that happen already in the early days of this uh, pandemic of, of football, college football coming together. So there are teams that have just had to shut down, not be able to play games. We saw it in Major League Baseball as well. So I think that the right way to handle it is to do the safest thing possible. And the players that test positive, they're going to have to go through that process. Teams are going to have to figure it out. It's like almost like thinking of it as an injury. A guy got his hamstring. Well, it's not his hamstring. This, <laughs> this go around. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's similar in terms of you're going to be out for a period of time. Then we're going to bring you back in.
0: Last one. How excited should Gophers fans be now in an ideal world, right? None of yeah. this happens. Rashad Bateman plays his third year with the Gophers, but even minus Rashad, a lot of guys back on offense, yeah. some speed on defense, some question marks on defense. You lost a lot on defense, but like how, how excited should Gophers fans be and how confident are you that P.J. Fleck will have his team ready to go that weekend of October
2: 24th? I'm not worried about P.J., I can tell you that. I am not worried. He'll have him ready to go. Now, uh, in terms of some of those holes to fill, yeah, that's going to be tough. We lost some linebackers to the NFL. We, I mean, we have – we lost our, our secondary. We are our best man in the secondary to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We lost a receiver to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we are, um, we've got holes to fill. We, we got our quarterback back and he had an unbelievable year. If he can follow that up. And, and if we can stay healthy with the players that we've got, and when I say healthy, I mean, in, in, in every aspect, if they can play, we are a top tier team. There is no doubt in my mind that offensive line is as good if not the best offensive line in the country. They're certainly the biggest and they are the most dominant. We've always had a running game. Now we've got a passing game. We've got all the tools on, on both sides of the ball that are the, those those exceptional athletes that are out there. And PJ and the coaching staff, hats off to those guys. They have done an amazing job recruiting. We have depth already for the guys that have left. We have guys that can step in. They might not be as good, but they're pretty daggone close. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about a team that beat Auburn, finished 11-2. I don't know why we can't be that same team this year.
0: Man, it's just fun, Pete, to be talking about an excitement level, right? Like, we're all looking for different escapes from, from everything going on. We all, we all have something going on in our lives right now, many impacted more so than others. But just to know that, like, coming up on, on October 24th, October 31st, and so on, for three hours, we can sit down, watch a gopher football game, and maybe just escape from reality for at least a, a tiny am- amount of time.
2: And the reality is that even without the crowds, I know a lot of people have been talking about, well, I miss the crowds. Yeah, we miss the crowds. But you know what? When you're watching from TV at home, it's not the worst thing in the world. And you oftentimes, you're not paying as much attention to the crowds. You're, the, the games are still guys that are really playing football. And this is not a scrimmage. This is real football. It's great. I actually got caught up in it this past Saturday. I mean, I really did. I'm watching. I'm flipping through games and I'm like... This is absolutely the greatest. I don't care if anybody's not there or not. It's it's so much fun to see college football back, and as long as they're doing the right thing and make the right decisions about health and everything else, um, I'm excited for the entire sport.
0: Continuing the crowd theme, more so on the NFL. So the Vikings play at Indianapolis on Sunday. The Colts will be able to have twenty five hundred fans. In the lower bowl, then we found out earlier today, the city of Houston, some health officials, the Texans working in conjunction with those folks, that the Texans are moving closer to being able to welcome close to 15,000 fans week four that Vikings at Texans game. I can tell you on the Vikings front, they've done all sorts of homework. They've talked to people at Canterbury Park. I mean, they've talked to so many different people. They have a plan in place. They are ready to host fans week six against Atlanta, but it's on the state health officials. So the Vikings are in constant dialogue with state health officials, with other state officials, just hoping for that green light at some point. If it's not week six, the Vikings are hopeful that at some point this year, they will be able to host some fans. Clearly not 60,000 fans But some fans. All right, continuing here on Scoop Podcast, episode 314. I forgot to mention the good Wolves news. I mean, Wolves fans should be excited that Sachin Gupta, I'm hoping to catch up with the Wolves vice president. He's what, like second in command in the front office, created the ESPN trade machine. Gupta is staying with the Wolves. He did not get the Sacramento job. So he went out there, he interviewed for the Sacramento job. Dave Carmichael, who's a fixture in the Sacramento media, tweeted earlier this week that his sense was that Gupta was the front runner, but they ended up hiring McNair, who I hear is a good guy. He was second in command in Houston. So Gupta is back here in Minnesota. I just know this from somebody close to Gupta, that he's incredibly excited. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, I think he would have taken the Sacramento job if it was offered to him, but I know he is very excited about what the future holds here in Minnesota, and he's what, in his late 30s? It's when, not if. Like That's been a theme of this podcast, when, not if, but when, not if, Gupta will have a chance to run his own front office. All right, I caught up with Nick Bukestad earlier this week, newest member of the Wild, the pride of Blaine High School and the University of Minnesota. The Wild acquired him in a trade a few days ago from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Here's my recent chat with Nick, Bukestad. Nick, good to catch up. I was going through some old video as you know, I mean, we here at channel five have been chronicling your happenings going back many, many years. So I pulled some video from 2010, you winning Mr. Hockey. Do you remember you holding up the 27 wild Jersey at that ceremony? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I have
3: it sitting in my closet in the back of my closet somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty, pretty cool moment. Um, you know, that, uh, definitely will always be cherished. And I loved playing high school hockey. I loved playing here and, um, you know, that's a, that's a deep rooted culture in this state. So definitely an honor. And I'll,
0: uh, I'll always look back on that and smile. I mean, pretty amazing that it's come full circle, you know, fast forwarding 10 years now. Yeah, for sure. Um,
3: you know, to be honest, I don't know, uh, it was probably good to get out of minnesota a little bit uh just experience different state i really you know i really enjoyed my time in florida and in, and in pittsburgh and um you know i'm just super excited to be back here playing and in front of a hometown crowd and um you know i uh obviously had a lot of injuries last year so it definitely gives me some motivation to get back and um come back with, with, with a. effort, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it pans out, but definitely excited to be uh, traded here.
0: How unfortunate have been the injuries, you know? I mean, even going back, like another story, we connected at Tria in Bloomington. I can't remember if it was 15 or 16. You were on the Panthers. It was after you had back surgery, and within that interview, I looked back at it, Nick. You actually had mentioned because you had a highlight goal that previous season against the Wild. You beat Devin Dubnik. It was a goal at the X. I think you beat him above his, I don't know, one of his shoulders. And so I, I referenced that in the story I did. And within the soundbite you gave me, you talked about how it would be a dream to play for the Wild.
3: It goes right up, and my goodness, what a shot. It's probably one of my favorite goals of all time, uh, playing at against the Wild at the XL. Um, yeah, I mean, you dream about playing for the Wild as a kid, and um, even playing against them is super exciting. I don't know if you it's ever fun.
0: remember that. Yeah. You had, that, <laughs> you had mentioned you that it, it would it would be a dream, yeah, and now yeah. that dream, you know, just interesting. That dream is is now a reality. But I'm just curious. I mean, that was a surgery back then, you know, and now you know injuries have gotten you a little bit the last couple years as well. Just how unfortunate have these injuries been?
3: Yeah, um, you know what? It, it's it's been tough. There's definitely times where uh, you know you get down on yourself and. You question a lot of the workouts and a lot of the stuff you've done, and wonder what's going on with the body. But um, for me personally, like I, I've tried to take it as with a positive light and try to learn from all these experiences. Uh, you know that I probably wouldn't have. but You know, I, I think um, it's uh, definitely sometimes you gotta fail to succeed. So I, I'm looking at it as a as a challenge in my life that uh, you know I'm I'm. I'm hoping to prevail from and um, just get better from. So obviously it's not ideal to be sitting on the bench and you want to try to help your team at all times. Um, so you, you do your best in the summers to to adapt and, and change some stuff up. But I mean, at this point in my career, I've, I've had enough uh, injuries where I, I can, I've, I've really learned my body and, uh, you know, learned what I can do. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just life. It's, you you got to roll with the punches and just just give your best. So I'm, uh, that's what I've been doing. And now, now my body's feeling great. So I just I can't tell, tell people enough how excited I am to get an opportunity here and um, try to show what I can do.
0: When you say, Nick, that your body is feeling great, like the best it's felt in, like, are we talking a year, two years, you know, maybe more than that? yeah i mean last
3: year i definitely i wasn't hundred percent one day of that uh of that year so i i think uh definitely in the the past few years this is uh this is the best i've felt i haven't tested it i obviously haven't been in a in a game or anything like that but as far as training goes and the skates i've been doing um it's really it's really exciting and um you know i'm I'm pretty giddy here at home just it's been a long off season obviously um you know, I didn't get to go to the bubble at Pittsburgh. I, I had my surgery. So it's, uh, it's been a long off season. I just can't wait to be with the group of guys that I'm joining here with the wild. Um, I've talked to a lot of them. A lot of them have reached out to me. So it um, seems like a really good group of guys and, you know, just being able to go to the rink every day and play a kid's sport for a living. There's nothing better.
0: Who in particular has reached out to you?
3: Uh, most most of the guys uh, I was in a group chat with them and a lot of them are individually texting me just introducing themselves and um, Just seeing what's going on where everyone's living and um, You know, obviously I've, I know the cities well, so um, I'm not coming to a foreign city, which is a little different than my previous teams and um, Yeah, it's it's been good to hear from guys and I am just I went in today and got to got to meet some of the staff and um, just seems like a really good group. Did you have a chance to connect with coach Dean Everson today? I talked to him yeah I talked to him on Friday night when I got traded he gave me a call right away and spoke with him for a while so um, yeah the entire organization's been uh, with welcome arms and um, obviously you know I'm a hometown kid but I can't I mean I can't get too excited I have to kind of stay grounded and realize you know what this is this is my job and I'm here to try to help this team win a Stanley Cup in whatever way I can. Um, however they want me to do that, I'm, I'm willing. So, um, you know, we're at home. I have just had another kid a week ago. So we have two daughters and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's gonna be nice for the family, being able to be around them and help out. And obviously the schedule, the NHL schedule is pretty crazy. So when I'm gone, that'll be really nice. I mean,
0: how much, I mean, you know, piggybacking that, how much of a whirlwind, I mean, even going back multiple months, right? Like surgery during a pandemic, right? Like wife gives birth during a pandemic, traded during a pandemic, like has it been a whirlwind?
3: Yeah, it has. Uh, I think, you know, my, my wife's been a rock through this entire thing, obviously. Being pregnant, she got, she, we got traded to Pittsburgh a few years ago. A month before she was uh, due with her first child. So I just think the uncertainty for her has been, uh, you know, has been tough, but I don't know. She never complains once. So, uh, you know, it's it's nice to have someone that uh, supports you through this uh, crazy, crazy journey I'm going through. And, um, you know, we just try to have fun with it and try to stay as positive as possible. How has fatherhood changed you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say, in many ways. I, I go to bed early, Um, (laughs) we're in bed when the babies go to bed, basically, we know they're getting up at any time of the night and it's kind of on their terms now. So uh, I'd say that's probably the biggest difference. Um, I'm kind of homebody now. There's not much um, socializing, obviously, with the circumstance we're in right now with COVID. Um, We're playing it pretty safe. So just find ways to get creative, working out at home, read more books yeah i just i'm turning into a uh older man i'd I'd say from um eight ten years ago when i was back here in minnesota
0: on the working out part i mean is it a fine balance of i mean we don't even technically know when next season is going to start so like i would imagine in a normal year like you know when to ramp things up but like i don't even know how you how you handle that roller coaster right now
3: yeah it's tough i mean there's been uh, a lot of question marks even with the bubble going into it you didn't really know how that was going to go down and um you know i think it's it's the the better teams and the better players find ways to adapt so you just have to try to somewhat be ready at all times we obviously have that um that temporary start date whatever um that is on december 4th or whatever um so yeah i mean you kind of mark that in the calendar and play off of that but um at the same time realizing anything could really happen but uh for me it's been a long enough uh off season so it's uh i've had i've had plenty of rest and plenty of downtime. so like i said it's just uh it's just waiting on when
0: it's going to get going and i'll be uh chomping at the bit to show up at the rink for the first day training camp so december 4th is that like first day of training camp or is that maybe when the regular season will start? So like in your mind, like, as you're thinking things through, I mean, is the idea to be in peak shape as much as you can be like mid November ish? Yeah,
3: that's the idea. Um, I mean, obviously the NHL's, uh, that's what they're aiming for. So, um, you got to respect that and just, uh, you know, mid November, hopefully we're, we're training together and all together. Um, obviously, with these times, who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I think it's certainly a time um, for an athlete when, when you're sitting at home. It's a time to you can learn about yourself, learn about different things. Plenty more time to work out. It's you can take this uh, th- these times with um, a lot of a lot of new benefits. So um, get some more stuff done around the house, which usually uh it isn't the case because right now usually we're heading we're heading somewhere else either pittsburgh or florida so um we're home now
0: and um just trying to take advantage of these times i hit you with two more are you one to have a, a chip on your shoulder i mean pittsburgh essentially said nick like here you go minnesota this is a salary dump yeah yeah no i
3: i i'm uh, well understanding of uh Oh, everything went down, but um, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I think with my injuries, with the uncertainty for a, for a GM, um, it's probably you know it is what it is. And if someone has faith in me, I, I definitely uh, um, it definitely gets me excited because I de- I have faith in myself on this recovery and making it back and being able to play a full season and contribute to my team. So. Um, I can't emphasize enough how uh, excited I am almost for the challenge because I'm sure from an outside perspective, it's uh, well, he's had a couple surgeries in the past year. Um, you know, will he be able to make it back and um, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but I do know within myself that uh, uh, I've done my best to um, heal my body and um, do the right things to be able to get back to the, the level uh, I was playing at beforehand. So um, yeah, I mean, You obviously have no control when it when it comes to uh, this business, other than what you can control. Um, So when I heard I was traded to Minnesota, regardless of for what it was, it's uh, I I, I'm just excited that uh, I'm joining a new team that um,
0: I can hopefully help. Do you have a sense of of what your role will be? Like, are we talking third line center? Like, do you have do you have any sense whatsoever? No, I mean. uh,
3: I I mean, I have a sense of obviously my style of play, um, but I I haven't gone over with the coaching staff or um, anyone yet really what the total role is. I'm sure that will be in the cards here in the future, but um, yeah, I just, uh, wherever they put me, I've gotten to play a little wing over a couple of years. I've obviously played center most of my life, but um, wherever that spot is, uh, you know, as as you grow into the league, you realize, uh, you know, these uh, these different spots you're put in, um, you, you just have to take advantage of wherever you're at and try to help the team. And um, that's that's, that's uh, how you create a winning environment. And um, obviously, you don't want to have a guy that uh, expects one thing and gets the other. So I, I'm, I'm open-minded to wherever I'm playing and um, just
0: give 100% every night. How much would you like to see your buddy Ryan McDonough hoist the cup or... Like, are you pulling for like Nick Letty or are you pulling for Nate Schmidt? Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Lots of, lots of Minnesota guys that, uh, could potentially win it here. So yeah, I I don't have any, uh, I obviously train with, uh, McDonough's and McDonough in the summers and, um, you know, he's a hardworking, good dude. So whoever wins it, I'm sure that someone that's, I think there's a Minnesota guy on every team, uh, maybe not Dallas, but, uh, yeah, definitely cool to see these guys succeed at a, at a high level.
0: Nick, thank you. I'll let you get back to the kids. All the best yeah. and hopefully yeah. we can connect in person sometime in the in the relatively near future, even if it's 3-4 months from now. Hopefully, hopefully our world, our country, hopefully things are are in a much better spot.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it, Dan. Good talking to you.
0: Good guy, Nick Bukestead. Yeah. So in the summers he trains with Riley Tufty. And Ryan McDonough at Bethel. Also, when I recorded that conversation with Nick, Vegas was still alive. Nate Schmidt was still alive. But Dallas eliminated them. So Dallas will represent the West in the Stanley Cup Finals. Will they play the Islanders? Will they play the Lightning? We could find out as soon as tonight if Tampa can beat New York in a game six. Wishing Nick Bukestead all the best. Before he hopped on the call with me, he was on the phone with Matt Hendricks. So it's that Blaine family connection, right? Matt Hendricks Blaine High School. He's now a player development guy with the Wild. He was catching up with Nick, Riley Tufty. Where's Riley? He was a Dallas first round pick. He went to Blaine High School, won multiple national championships at UMD. Riley looks up to Nick. Nick looks up to Matt. One big happy family the Blaine Hockey Program. All right, we are done here on this Thursday. Early evening, the 17th of September, Scoop Podcast 314 is in the books. Stay safe, stay sane.